0: Do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. All right, church, hey, go ahead and get out your notes um, that you received on the way in. And if you don't have the physical notes, you can find those digitally on the Coastal app if you have that downloaded on your smart device. Um, And go ahead and get out your Bible, digital or analog, okay? And now while you're getting out that Bible, digital or analog, do you know how good this book is? Man, do you know how incredible the Bible is? In fact, this book of the this book called the Bible that we have, it is something that is written for, has been written for so many different years, so many years. Like this book has existed. In fact, the very first part of our series, we said that our faith in Jesus isn't just based on experience or how you feel, even though there is some of that. In fact, knowing God and following God, there's something supernatural about following Him something supernatural and something so good about following him where it does touch on our emotions and how we feel. But look, we also said our faith in Jesus isn't just a bunch of inputs and outputs, do this and do that, and isn't just a bunch of um, history either, but yet it is some of that as well. In fact, we have a faith that is deeply rooted in history. In fact, oftentimes, um, scientists psychiatrists, even archaeologists are just now starting to prove and to acknowledge what the Bible has already said for so many years. Do you know how good this book is? Do you know how old this book is? In fact, what we're going to be reading today in First John was actually written close to 2,000 years ago, right in about the time 90 A.D., the book of Genesis that begins the Bible was actually written about 1,400 years B.C. So even at its newest point, even at its newest point, we're going to be reading today in about 90 A.D., what we're reading is 2,000 years old. And at some of its oldest points, what, we're, what we've read in the Bible from Genesis is about 3,500 years old. I asked a few students last week, I was meeting with these two students who currently do not know Jesus Um, They don't don't know Jesus, have no idea about the Bible and who God is. And one of the questions I said to them, I said, as we're going to be meeting, I said, you guys can ask any question you want during this time that we're going to be meeting. And one of the questions that one of these students had who don't know Jesus right now, they simply said, I simply want to know why. Why Why does any of this happen? Why does this exist? Like, why why are we even talking about this Jesus and and this Bible stuff? They just simply wanted to know why. And I said, hey, let me begin with the book that we're going to be reading. And I said to them, if I were to tell you that I was going to gather a collection of books that spanned across 1,500 years, if I were to tell you that there is a book that spanned across 1,500 years, that had 66 different letters and writings that were all put together, that was written across three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, that was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and also Greek, and had 40 different authors. If I were to tell you there was a book like that with, that covered 1500 years, all these different authors, across three different continents, three different languages, is there any way that that book, if I brought all of those writings together, is there any way that book would be telling the same story? And these 17-year-olds said, no way. There's no chance in the world that could ever happen. I said, that is exactly what the Bible is. 1,500 years of human history, 66 different collections of book brought together 40 different authors, three different languages, all telling this one big story about this one God. One book telling this story about this one God. One book telling this story about who we are and who we can be if we decide to trust him with our lives. Do you know how good this book is? But see, this Bible that we have, not only is it so good, but it's also it's a very old story that spans so much time, but also it is very new, okay? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says, For the word of God, it is living and active. It is living and active, which means that it is not dead, it is not outdated, but even right now, today, it is on time for what we need. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to of the soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Jesus even said, look, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And then in Revelation chapter 21, verse five, it says that he was seated on the throne, said, Jesus said, behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy, and true. The word of God, it is old, but it is also new. Look, we're in week four of this series called So That You May Know, or maybe this is more like week 3.2 of this series, because we're going to be continuing in chapter two, looking at this letter that was lit, written to these churches in the first century in the region called Ephesus. Last week we saw John challenge the churches in Ephesus and is challenging us today to not stand with the accuser, but to follow the advocate, to trust in Jesus, Christ Jesus the righteous, and to walk in the same way that Jesus walked, step by step, despite the persecution, despite the growing doubt, despite what the world is trying to push into the church to tear down what they believe about Jesus. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, challenged the church to abide in Christ and to walk in the same way that Jesus walked, step by step. Church, following Jesus isn't something that we should do occasionally. It should be something that is consistent. Will we get it right all the time? Absolutely not. But is there a cumulative effect when we consistently follow Jesus, that grows more and more as we surrender more and more to Jesus. Yes. Look, this week we're going to see John challenge the church to do something old and something new, but also something that is true. We're going to start off today doing some congregational reading, okay? Now, for those of you who are regular attenders, you know the drill. You're going to see some words up on the screen. They're going to be an all in bold. We're going to read those parts together that you see in bold. The parts not in bold, I'm just going to read. And remember, stay in your lane. Don't try to read my parts, okay? So let's all stand and let's read this incredible passage from the Bible that is something old. Man, it is something new, but it's so on time for us today. First John chapter 2, starting in verse 7. John said, Beloved, And hates his brother, still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And I write to you, children, because you know the father. And I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Now, before you head to your seats this morning... I want you to high-five two people. No, wait, let's make it three people for you guys who don't don't like it when I tell you to do these things. I want you to high-five three people around you. I want you to tell them, look, you got something old, something new, and something to do, okay? Turn to three people, high-five them, tell them you got something old, something new, and something to do. Right, you guys can be seated. It sounds like some of you guys are talking about some other things, okay? So have a seat. <laughs> Look, something old, something new, something to do. The first thing I want to show you from this passage today is this right here, okay, church? Write this down, number one. You were loved back then. You are loved right now. John is telling these churches under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Lord is even telling us today, you were loved back then. And right now, in 2023, you were loved right now. Listen to how he begins this portion of the letter. He says, beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment. Man, that word beloved there, or beloved, depending on how you pronounce it. That word beloved there simply means to be dearly loved. Look, John doesn't call them what they were. He calls them who they are. John, again, is this elder statesman inside the church, this spiritual father. There's so many inside of these churches. He wants to let them know that they are dearly loved by him. Yes, they are dearly loved by Pastor John. But he's also reminding them and saying to them, and say, look, despite the growing persecution, despite the growing doubt in the church, and again, despite all these false teachers trying to push all these things in the church, trying to tear down what you've been taught about Jesus, remember that you are dearly loved, yes, by him, but remember the incredible love that you have been shown by your heavenly father. This is way more than any type of this regular earthly love. This is the love that comes from God himself. He's saying, this is the, this very incredible love is the type of love that you've been shown, but is also the type of love that you now identify with. And he says that they are dearly loved. But then it seems like John almost tries to confuse them a little bit. Listen to how it continues here in verse seven. He says, beloved, again, you who are dearly loved by me, but also dearly loved by your heavenly father. He says, beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. He says, the old commandment is the word that you have heard. But he says, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him, talking about God, but also in you. Look, he says, this new command is an old command. This new command is an old command, but it's also a new command. Uh, let, let me try to explain it this way, okay? Has there ever been something that you wanted so badly, and then when you finally got it, you got a little bit bored with it? Look, don't judge me on this, okay? But I went through a season where I always wanted whatever the latest phone was, Okay? I even dabbled a little bit in Android phones, but then I stepped out of the darkness and into the light. Seriously, if you have an Android phone, could you just stop, all right? I mean, you're making all of our text messages green, we want them to be blue. But I went through a season where I always wanted whatever the latest phone or device was, okay? So, so I convinced my wife that on our cell phone plan that we have, that we would have three lines, two of them would be for me. So every single year, I could update to whatever the latest phone was and I would have switched my number back over to whatever the new phone was. Didn't even use the third line. And then on top of that, I stepped into Apple's annual upgrade problem. Look, I I said, don't judge me, okay? I know I had a problem, but you know what would happen? Every single year I would upgrade. And then it got to the point where it's like, once I finally got that phone, and once I had it for a little bit, I was so excited for the latest iPhone. Once I finally got it, I started to realize, hey, this is just kind of like the old phone. Maybe a little bit faster processor, little bit brighter screen, worse battery life. And sometimes, like, we can be so excited for something new, then after just a season, we become so bored and so familiar with it. And I think what John is trying to say to the church here is that there's something about the human heart that when something new happens, at some point we start to think it's old and we get bored with it and we even begin to push it off to the side. But he's saying like this love that you have been shown by God, this is not one that the follower of Jesus should get bored with or push it off to the side. Look, there's something old about this, but there is still something fresh and brand new about this. In fact, I know many of you this morning, maybe on your way to church, or maybe if you're even watching online today, I know many of you would say, man, I hope Andrew today shows us how old and how new this is by going back to one of the most exciting books in all the Bible, the book of Leviticus. I know some of you guys are praying today, man, I hope that he even reads a very long portion of the book of Leviticus today because I love some old things and I know even in that, like, God has something new, okay? Anybody? Anybody? Just me, all right. Anyone? Amen. I'm gonna read to you a large portion of the book of Leviticus and you're gonna begin to see, look, this old thing that God's been trying to teach to people who love him and know him for years, for centuries. And it was new back then. It was so good back then. And even though it's old, it's still new right now. Listen to the words that the Lord gave to Moses to give to the people. Leviticus chapter 19, starting in verse nine. You can turn there if you want, just follow along on the screen. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord. Now, this really quick interpretation of this right here. People so what the Lord is telling to Moses to tell to the people is that when you go and harvest your crops, don't take all of it for yourself. Don't just throw it away, but make sure you save some for people who are in need. You show love to people by actually caring for their needs, especially the poor people in your land, the people who are in poverty or people who are maybe even just passing through. You're to show this type of love and care for people. He said, you shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. In verse 12, he says, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane, profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. He says, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him the wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning, which means again, if someone is working for you or you're hiring somebody to do something, you actually pay them and you treat them fairly. And this, you're showing them who are following God. Verse 14 says, you shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before, you, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord, which means even those with special needs who are In your circle of influence, you don't do things to cause more harm to them, but you show care for them because that is what our heavenly father does. He says, you shall not, verse 16, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor, I am the Lord. And here it is in verse 17, where you begin to hear what John was saying 1500 years later, Something old, but something new. He says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. He says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus would say the same thing. He says, look, this is the most important commandment. To hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second greatest commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. These. In John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, Jesus said, Look, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people, all people, church, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. First John chapter three verse one, John writes, and he says, "See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are." Romans chapter five verse eight says, "But God shows His love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church showing this type of love is living out the gospel, that our sins have been atoned for, that Jesus is a propitiation for our sins. It's a reminder that this Jesus who is God came to this earth to pay the price for our sins. He died on the cross and he bodily rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and the grave, providing a way for us, demonstrating, showing his love for us, even while we were still sinners. Come on, do you remember when you were the one? Do you remember when you were the one? When it was God's kindness, his mercy, his forgiveness, that he demonstrated to you, that it was his kindness that actually drew you to repentance. Church, you were loved back then. And today, right now, you are dearly, deeply, eternally loved by God. Man, this is that deep love that we have been shown and continue to be shown that we need to show to others. It's this type of love. But listen to how John continues in verse 9. He says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Again, something old, something new. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded His eyes. Okay, something old, something new, something to do. Write this down. Number two, forgive today like you've been forgiven before. Forgive today in this season, in the same way that you've been forgiven, forgive today like you've been forgiven before. You know, it is um, often presumed right here And a lot of commentators have even suggested that the people, these false teachers that were in the church, as they were trying to bring in this false teaching about Jesus, again, trying to tear down what the gospel had built up in this church, the things that they had been taught, that when they were bringing in these false ideologies, what it was actually doing is producing more hatred and more anger inside the church. That's why John had to address this growing hatred that's happening in the church. He's saying, look, don't let these false ideologies, these false teachings that are trying to creep into the church tear down this incredible love that you've been shown and that you need to show to others. So again, church, look, right now, okay, it shows us that hatred towards people is the opposite of what Jesus is and what he calls his followers to be. So in 2023... Is there any hate-filled or anger-filled ideology that you are letting rule your heart right now? Is there any hate-filled or anger-filled ideology that you're letting rule your heart right now? Come on, is it politics? Is there some politicking happening in the world that's causing growing anger and even hate to fill your heart right now look if you're not yet a follower of Jesus this doesn't apply to you so you can keep doing what you're doing okay but if you are a follower of Jesus did you know that you were called not to hate the president but to pray for the president did you know that you are called not to hate people in congress but to actually pray for those who are in congress come on it's pride month It's a month where you're gonna be seeing love is love plastered on everything around the place. But let me just remind those of you who are followers of Jesus, love is not love if it is not defined by God. He's the one who is the very definition of love. In fact, we're gonna see in a few weeks in 1 John chapter four, it says that God is love and only the one who created it gets to define it. But there's something about this pride ideology that's in our world right now that says love is love against the very definition of God. That's actually causing more hate and anger to be built up toward others, and even in our world right now. Let me just say, as followers of Jesus, we don't love in the way that the world loves. We love in the way that God has shown us, and He wants us to show to others. So we don't ever condone sin or love sin, but we do love the sinner. And we do love people now let's make it a little more personal okay is there anyone in your life right now or anything in your life right now where there is some growing anger or hatred towards somebody look is your life right now being grown as and pushed toward and being filled with anger or hatred toward other people Because right now, we need to look at what God has taught us to do. Come on, church, are you examining your life in this season? In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul says about forgiveness and not letting that anger or hatred build up in your life. He says, look, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and even clamor. Look, that word clamor right there actually means to be shouting or screaming in anger. Again, right now, is there anything being produced in your life, any relations that's happening in your life where you are literally shouting and producing anger, this clamor? And he says, let all slander be put away from you, along with malice. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Two questions I want to ask you, okay? The first one is, is there someone right now that you need to forgive? Is there someone right now that even just reading this passage, you're, that person has popped into your mind and you can feel the anger rising in you. Is there someone right now in your life that you need to forgive? Church, we need to be forgiven as we have been forgiven. Now, I know sometimes when I feel when I teach, do a teaching on forgiveness, I feel like I have to give out several disclaimers. I what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. So I wanna give you just a couple of those. These are not in your notes, uh, but forgiveness is releasing everyone through God's grace and strength of something that they owed you or that they did to you. Forgiveness is not giving someone permission to trample your heart or your identity in Christ. Look, forgiveness is not forgetting. And sometimes you need to remember for your own protection or for the protection of others. Now, we don't respond to people in a way where we're holding their sins against them, but sometimes we do need to remember so we can actually protect others and even protect your heart and your identity in Christ. But forgiveness is showing grace and mercy to people, even if it's from a distance. Look, Jesus even said in Matthew chapter five, verse 44, he says, look, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Which means that sometimes once you've forgiven somebody, the best way that you can continue to love them is to pray for them from a distance. You know, there's uh, two books that I typically recommend. If you're in this area right now, you're having trouble releasing someone or working through forgiveness. One is called When to Walk Away. And one is called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. Two really helpful books that show a biblical perspective on how you can actually forgive someone, but if there's some guardrails that need to happen, that you can take those steps as well. But is there someone right now, church, that you need to forgive? My second question is, is that someone you? Do you need to forgive yourself? Is there something that you've done that you know you've asked for forgiveness from your heavenly father? And you know, God's word says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And do you know that God's word says in Romans chapter eight, verse one, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But even right now, Today, you're still holding on to the shame and guilt. If that's you today, you might be following the accuser. If that's you today, you may even be trying to dismiss what God is trying to do in your life. Because He says, don't follow the accuser, follow the advocate. Remember, John addresses them here. He doesn't say, Look, look here, my dirty little rotten sinners. He says they are beloved. He doesn't call them what they were, he calls them who they are. Come on, are you holding hatred in your heart toward you for what you've done? Do you even need to forgive yourself? Come on, church, walk in the light. Don't be blinded by hatred, love one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. All right, last one, okay? Something old, something new, something to do. You need to recognize your patterns right now so you can see who you are becoming tomorrow. Recognize the patterns that are growing or building in your life right now so you can actually see who you are becoming tomorrow. Listen to how John concludes this section right now that he's talking to this church that is dearly loved. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. He says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. He says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you are you have overcome the evil one. He says I write to you, children, because you know your Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. He says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Look, what John is talking about right here is a little bit of perspective. He's seeing the people in these churches that he is this elderly statesman to, this spiritual father to, and he's seeing like all these different levels of spiritual growth in the church. Look, children, young men, fathers, every age and stage of spiritual maturity he's pointing out in this church, but he's also trying to help them to see the same perspective. He's trying to help them to see that you may be here right now, but all of us are being led to spiritual maturity in Christ. That is the goal where we need to be heading. And he's trying to get them to see, look, right now there's some patterns that are being built in you, but are they the right patterns? Are they leading to a growing faith in Jesus' spiritual maturity in him? You know, we see forgiveness in this passage. Look, you received it, so you need to give it. Another pattern is he's talking about how they're growing and knowing God, which is this obedience and these spiritual disciplines that we talked about last week. And even overcoming the evil one, look, are you listening to the accuser or are you following the advocates? Are these growing patterns in your life? Look, what patterns are you building in your life today because they will determine the very outcome of your life tomorrow? Look, church, I don't know about you, but I wanna accomplish every single thing that God has called me to Like I wanna hear the words well done, good and faithful servant, when my life here on earth is over. I wanna be a good husband to my wife. I wanna be the type of husband that loves her like Christ has loved the church. Look, consistently, passionately, until death do us part, I wanna love her in the same way that Christ loves the church. Man, I wanna be a good father to my kids. But not just in word, but also in deed. All these things that we're trying to pour into them and teach them about who Jesus is and what he's calling to do, even though I know the world is gonna try to tear that down out of them, like I wanna be a good father to my kids because that is what God has called me to be. I wanna be a good shepherd to you like Jesus is. And I wanna challenge you. I want you to know that you are dearly loved like Pastor John said to his church. Well, I want to admonish you. I want to exhort you to do everything that God has called you to do to really become authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Look, those are the things that I believe God has called me to do, and he's called you to do, that he wants to see happen in us and through us, but they can't just start one day. They need to start today. So what patterns are you building in your life today because they're determining the outcome of your life tomorrow. But you already knew that, didn't you? Because when you hear a teaching like this, it's something old, right? You know that what you're doing in your life today is going to affect your tomorrow, but yet it is something new. There's something refreshing about God's word that helps draw us back to a center in Christ. So we can actually look and see what we're building in our life today so we can actually build the life that God wants for us right now in this season. So church, again, I want to challenge you. Look at what patterns you're building right now because they are gonna determine the very outcome of your life. I think there's a couple of goals that we can even set right here from First John chapter 2. The first one is that I think all of us need to have the goal that we are gonna pre-decide right now. We're going to pre-decide right now, again, who we're going to become tomorrow, today. Right now, we're going to pre-decide this. Because so many times, like John keeps repeating the same things over and over. As we continue to go through the series, he's going to keep saying, look, don't walk in the darkness, walk in the light, don't hate, don't love, like confess your sins, follow the advocate. Like he keeps saying those things over and over and over again, but he's trying to establish healthy patterns to be built in them. And he's trying to help this church understand that today is the day to decide. Look, when it comes to temptation, the things that try to draw us away from the Lord, where we're stepping more into the darkness, don't wait until you're so close to the line to decide. A good pastor friend of mine, he said that when it comes to avoiding temptation, like you shouldn't just try to get up as close to the line as possible, but it said you need to pre-decide to be five steps from stupid. Look, church, some of you right now, you haven't predecided, and you're so close to the line. But you know what's on the other side of that is not what the Lord wants for you. Don't step further into darkness. Walk into the light. Decide right now, even in this moment in this church, that I'm going to pre-decide. I'm not going to cross that line. In fact, you know, I'm going to take several steps back. And then that means you need to get some accountability in your life. You need to confess it to someone that you're being tempted in this way. Whatever it is, predecide that you're not going to step over the line. Come on, college students, high school students, as you get ready to step into your next chapter, that line is going to be all up in your face all the time. What are you going to do? You're going to predecide right now. And that what in whatever we do. I'm going to work at it, walk in it as if I was working directly for the Lord rather than for anybody else. You're going to pre-decide right now. You're going to walk in the light. Another goal is that we need to seek maturity in faith. Look, that's the goal that John is telling this church. He's telling this church, look, look at who's growing in your church and aim for that. We all need to be moving toward spiritual maturity in Christ. And then the last goal I think we can set from this is that the goal should be authenticity in faith. Again, not perfection, but authenticity. Again, developing this authentic relationship with the Lord, where even when we do take some steps back, man, we continue to take steps forward in loving God, walking in the light, not in darkness. And then as our worship team goes ahead and makes their way back up to the stage, church, I just want to challenge you that you would decide to walk in the light, Look, some of you right now are seeing a growing pattern in your life where maybe there's some shame and guilt ruling in your life. Some of you began to even see patterns in your life where you've tried to fix the brokenness that you've been experiencing over and over and over again. You may not know it, but you've been walking in the darkness. The only way out is to walk in the light that is Christ. Man, today, would you turn from that darkness and turn toward the light? Would you follow Jesus and trust him as the Lord and leader of your life? And for the rest of you who've already trusted in Jesus, look, is there someone that you need to forgive? Is that person you? And are there patterns right now that are growing in your life or being built in your life that you need to take, some, take five steps back from stupid and walk toward Jesus? Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is that person you? And then do you need to check the patterns that are growing in your life? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, I thank you, Lord, that it is on time, even though it's something old. God, even though it's something new. God, thank you that your word is still true. And God, I pray for the people who are sitting in this room, even watching online. God, I pray for those who are in Christ. God, I pray they would know that they are dearly loved, deeply, eternally, forever loved by God. There's nothing that they could do to make you love them any less. God, nothing that they can do to make you love them any more. They are dearly, deeply, eternally loved by you. God, I pray that they would walk in that. God, I pray you will help us, Lord, even though it's something old and something new, to forgive today like we were forgiven before. God, help us to love one another, tender-hearted, forgiving others in Christ as we have been forgiven. But God, help us to see, Lord, what are the patterns that are being built in our life today, God. I want to declare on behalf of our church that we do not want to walk in darkness. God, we want to walk in the light. We want to follow you. God, help us to do that. In Jesus' name.